If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm here with a first-time guest on the show, but uh, I think one of the cool things that I, I talk about a lot on this podcast over the, the time I've been doing it is that Winnipeg's music scene seems to be very incestuous, is sort of the word that I've been using to describe it, and everyone's playing on each other's albums and, and you know, uh, in each other's bands and, and at each other's shows, and, and I feel like the guest on this episode, uh, when I was looking at the credits on, on your most recent release, uh, the amount of like people that not only I've, I've talked to before in this podcast, but who are just very notable figures, especially in the local jazz scene, um, it's it's great to see that. I love seeing that all these all of these great artists are are working together and playing on each other's projects, and it, it's just very kind of illustrative, I think, of sort of how Winnipeg works and how everyone is sort of helping each other out and and participating in each other's artistic uh, pursuits. So uh, we can get into that for sure, but I think the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourself and give a bit of background about what it is you do as an artist. Yeah. So uh, yeah. First of all, thank you very much uh, for having me on the show. Um, so my name's Connor Dara. Um, I'm a, I guess I'm a, a, a graduate from the jazz studies program at the University of Manitoba. I graduated with a double, kind of a double major in uh, jazz saxophone and piano. Um, so obviously those are my two main instruments of choice. Um, and yeah, so that's um, kind of, uh, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I, I guess, um, well, I, I can speak on this so sure. um so when i was uh 15 years old i actually just turned 28 uh on tuesday uh so uh right after i turned 15 uh i went into the hospital for a routine day surgery to repair a deviated septum in my nose yeah and and during the surgery there was a complication and the surgeon accidentally bumped two orbital bones into my brain causing a traumatic brain hemorrhage so I was supposed to go home that night and, you know, it was a day surgery. Yeah. Instead, I ended up being hospitalized for a month. I was in a coma for the first week and the whole right side of my body was paralyzed. So when I came from home from the hospital a month later, you know, well, first of all, when I was in the, in the hospital, I had to relearn how to walk, oh. how to handwrite, how to tie my shoes, like all these basic things you don't even remember learning. And when I came home, I saw the piano and I thought, oh, great, you know, something I can play that and do to take my mind off what happened. And when I put my hands on the piano, my right hand was so weak, I couldn't even press down a key. Well, wow. It just sat there. And I was just devastated because at that point, I already thought, like, I'm going to be a piano player for the rest of my life. And, you know, I'd be a, you know, 
touring musician, what, what have you. And I was just devastated because I couldn't even play with half my, you know, half my Yeah, hands. that's that's huge. You need you need both hands for a piano. It's not like you can kind of make do with, with just one, right? Yeah. Exactly. So I, I was sitting there devastated. And my dad says, you have a left hand. Just <laughs> make it work. So I just played piano with my left hand for several months until um, my right hand finally gained back the strength. But then I had to, um, you know, in high school, I had to work probably 10 times as hard or 10 times harder than anybody else my age just to catch up and just to get back to where I was. Um, so I think that makes me um, fairly unique as a piano player because I can say that 99.5% of piano players, their right hand is the dominant hand. Sure. Because yeah. even in like classical piano, it's like, or in, or in jazz piano, it's like, you comp chords with your left hand, then you're soloing with your right. So your right hand's moving a lot more. But for me, when I was in high school, especially grade 10, you know, I comped a bit with both hands. And then when it was time I turned to solo, I dropped my right hand and solo with my left hand. Oh, wow. And it's just because I couldn't keep up with my right hand. So I just soloed with my left hand. And eventually my right hand started to gain some, you know, some movement. And eventually I was able to solo a bit in grade 11. But yeah, it was... Uh, is extremely tough, but I'm, I'm uh, incredibly grateful uh, for it as well. Yeah, well, I, I saw something about that on your bio. Actually, I was looking at your website today, and and the thing that that, that I that I thought about when I was reading that and, and hearing it from you now as well is has that impacted has that whole experience has that impacted the way you play now? Like, are there certain things you do on the piano that maybe because of what you went through and because of having to compensate for with the, with the one hand there? I mean, has that affected your playing in any kind of interesting ways now? Like, do you still see you know aspects of that seeping into what you're doing? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like it's um, like, for example, on uh, the album, there's a song that comes to mind. It's called Lockdown. Okay. Um, I'm sure you can guess when I wrote that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's funny because like it's, it's a pretty like funky, groovy song. And like it sounds really groovy when I'm playing with both hands. But if I take away the right, the left hand and just play the right hand, it just sounds like a super basic song okay but all, all the funk and groove comes from the left hand and moving it all around and my right hand is really just like playing some chord shots you know but it's um you know so like even when i write songs like you know sometimes like not all my songs but like a fair amount of them is just like you know i come up with a lot of like funky bass lines or just bass lines in general or just like left hand things because i it's just a strength of mine right that most piano players don't have you know yeah like even when i talk to a lot of piano players and they say oh man i i need to work on my left hand and i'm like well you know you could just you could have a brain injury and then be forced to, you know <laughs> obviously i'm joking but yeah um but you know but the main thing is like on piano especially like um i even did this um this online video uh it was like uh online video lesson series that jeffrey keezer put out who's a jazz piano player and at one point, he says, you know, piano players ask me, how do you develop a fast left, left hand? And he said, it's easy. Just everything you do with your right hand, do with your left. Hmm. But it's, I think it's a lot of time, like, piano players just don't do that because they just don't have the time or just don't have the patience for it. But I didn't really have the option. That was, like, 
I was just, that was just forced upon me. And I was like, okay, let's, you know, even um, like shortly after my brain injury, my dad got me this uh, Dave Matthews band uh, music book. Okay. And I was playing along with it and, or, you know, playing the music out of it. And my dad, he can't read music, but he can see what's right hand and what's left hand. And he was listening to me play. And then he comes and looks at my hands, looks at the music, looks at my hands, at the music. And he says, you're not playing with some music, are you? I said, no, not exactly. And he says, well, how are you doing that? I said, well, I'm just making up for what I can't do with my right hand and do it with my left and just making it work. He says, well, like you sound like the band, so keep up what you're doing. But <laughs> I, I just like, I, I just had to find, you know, find a way. And I think that's a really important thing for everyone. Like, you know, whether you have a disability or you're, or not, or anything you're going through, like music always finds a way to come out and, you know, speak. And I think it's a, that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, and I guess in your case too, the other option would have been to quit, right? I mean, you could, you had to either find yeah. a way to compensate and way to, to make it work with the circumstances you were in or quit. And obviously that, you know, based on where you are now, that wasn't going to happen. That was not in the cards. So you were clearly motivated enough to, to keep going with music. Yeah, you know, and that that's that's exactly right. You know, when when my injury happened, my two options were either just quit and just let my life rot away. Yeah, and I wasn't going to do that, and definitely my parents weren't going to let me do that because I was only fifteen. Like, I have a lot of life left to live. Um, and at the same time, uh, yeah, so that was one option. Or the other option is, well, how can I become the best I can be despite my disability and situation? Yeah. And I, and like, even when I was in the hospital, like the first time I got help to walk, it took my dad and three physiotherapists and they helped me walk halfway around my bed. And then I lied, I lied down and took a, took a four hour nap. Yeah. Like that's how tired I was. Right. But sure. then, the, but then the next day I walked to the door, the next day I walked to the desk and then, uh, my, you know, the first like three weeks, two and a half, three weeks in the hospital, I don't remember at all. It's a complete blank. Uh, but my dad said when I got home, he says, you know, like when we were in the hospital, you'd ask, oh, how long did we walk yesterday? And he said, oh, uh, yesterday we did two minutes. And and he said that I would say, um, okay, well, today we're doing three. Right, like, right. I was just always, I was really stubborn and I was just like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better. And, uh, and what's actually really interesting is uh, – like I, there's several stories of things I said that I just don't remember at all. Um, but one thing that jumps out is, so my brain injury happened in the middle of May and the U of M jazz camp always happens in like the second or third week of August. Okay. And I had gone like three or four, like three years previous to the camp. I went ever since I was 12 years old and I loved it. And so when I was in the hospital, at this point I was walking for, about a couple of minutes before I had to lay down and take a few hour nap. And in the middle of one of my walks, I stopped and I looked at my dad and I said, I'm going to the U of M jazz camp this summer and there's nothing you can do to stop me. <laughs> and he says, okay, well, we'll see. But in his mind, he thought there is no way. Yeah. Because like I could barely survive a couple minute walk. U of M jazz camp is like six straight eight hour days, you know, but I was stubborn and I went and I just played with one hand just to say I did it, you know, yeah. like that was my goal. And 
I'm not going to let that goal stop me. Like I'm going, you know, and, um, and I think that really helped, um, you know, uh, just, just with everything.
there's a song on my album is instrumental called look for the positives yeah and that that song has several different meanings but one of the meanings for me is you know when you go through something you know like really tough in life like so for for me it would be my brain injury you know just it i know it's easier said than done but if you try and look for the positives or find the positives like it's super helpful yeah you know um especially when um you know it's um yeah it, it's just really i think it's really important to yeah find those positives and just look at the positive side of life because especially for me at 15 like my life could have very easily ended that day totally but yeah but it, it didn't so for me i've always just had thought now like I'm just grateful to be here, you know, like I'm just going to be as positive as I can because like, you know, when you're like hanging out in the room with some of your close friends and all of a sudden someone walks in the room with like a very just negative crappy attitude Yep. and the entire environment of the room changes. Yeah, it sucks the air out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. I never want to be that guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was, in fact, I was once described by a friend in university as a ray of sunshine that never shuts up. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right on. That's a, that's a good way to be, I think, after something like that too, to, to, to have that outlook. And I mean, so jump ahead, you know, a number of years now, at the time we're recording yeah. this, you just released a record, um, I guess it was, what, a few days ago? Um, yeah. From, from the time we're recording this. So that's that's a lot of music in that time, <laughs> over that period, and and, and yeah. you know, uh, becoming that guy, not wanting to be the guy sucking the air out of the room, and and having that attitude and everything. What is, how did how did this album? How long has this album been in the works for? First of all, because you know we're in a time now when the pandemic is essentially over. People are playing shows, touring's happening, all of that stuff is back. But a right. lot of people have had sort of music they've been working on for years now that has been sort of waiting to be released. Is this something that that? fits into that category that's been being worked on for a while yeah definitely um so this i, I guess i'll talk a bit about like how the project came sure. about and then get, get into that so well and this is a duo uh, project too right i mean this, this is you and a vocalist correct yeah so the album is uh it's uh connor and cordelia and the title of the album is called acceptance and uh the album is for um, a mutual friend. Uh, it was my best friend and Cordelia's uh, ex-boyfriend. Okay. They did it for four years, but they remained really good friends after the breakup. And uh, in on March 2nd, 2020, he very suddenly passed away. Oh, well. Wow. He, uh, he was 26 years old and he had an undiagnosed heart condition. And in his sleep, the left side of his heart died and that was it. Wow. So it was... I remember waking up on... March 3rd and it was like 8 a.m. and I came down the stairs and my dad just got off the phone with his dad. His dad phoned and uh, and it's and my dad's right when I walked down the stairs my dad says um, Alan just phoned uh, Cole passed away yesterday and I w I was just rocked you know because he was not only like one of my best friends but also um, he was my first friend post brain injury. Okay. Um, because I had, I had gone to Charleswood junior high and all my friends went to Oak Park in grade 10, but I made the decision before my brain injury to go to Vincent Massey because it had by far the best band program in the city. And I thought, you know what, that's my best ticket into the U of M program. And that's where I want to go anyways. Um, and so I ended up going to Massey 
and I was in grade 10, and Cole was in grade 12, he's two years older than me. And I walked into the band room the first day, and Cole walked up to me and he says, Hey, I recognize you from the jazz camp, welcome to Massey. And then later that day, the band jazz band teacher pulled me to his office and he says, I've decided to put you in the senior jazz band, like the grade 12 big band. Cool. And he, and he said, like, for, for three reasons. One, the kids in grade 12 are more mature. They'll treat you with more respect. The grade 12 big band rehearses during period five, while the other big bands rehearse after school. And he said, I know by 3.30 you're going to be exhausted. You want to get, get home, get your rest. And thirdly, that's where you musically belong. So all of a sudden I was playing piano. Cole was a drummer. So not only are we in the same band, but we're in the rhythm section together. Yeah. And we just, we just clicked and we roomed together on band trips and we just hit it off. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, fast forward March, 2020, he passes away and he went to Brandon university where he met Cordelia Okay, and they dated for a couple of years there. And then they moved out to Vancouver together dated for another couple of years and then they eventually broke up, but they remained good friends. And then Cole moved back because he was having some health issues uh, due to his diabetes that he's had since the age of four. So um, when he passed away uh, a week later was the funeral and Cordelia flew in for the funeral. Uh, I'd only met her maybe three times before he passed. And at the funeral, we ended up playing a duo song together. It was an Amy Winehouse song. Okay. Um, and we played it just because uh, Cole and Cordelia kind of started dating because of their mutual love of Amy Winehouse. And so we played together and I was just, obviously we're all really emotional, but I also like kind of forgot about how incredible of a voice she had because uh, I'd only met her a couple of times. Right. And we went for lunch the next day and I said, Hey, you know, I've, I've reached out to several vocalists in the city about writing lyrics to my songs because I have a lot of songs that lend themselves well to lyrics, mm. but I'm a terrible lyricist and I'm also not a good singer. So <laughs> even if I wrote lyrics, I wouldn't sing them anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I said like, would you want to write some songs even though you're in Vancouver? She says, yeah, absolutely. Send me something. So she got home and I sent her a song and it was just a groove. And five days later, she sent back a recording of her singing on it. And it was just, it just blew me away. Cool. And I never even heard any of her compositions before. So it was really like, okay, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I just trust her. And, and so we ended up writing, she's on eight songs on the album, but we ended up, uh, we wrote seven together virtually during a pandemic. Uh, so we were never even in the same room once. And then in, uh, in August, 2021 she her and her boyfriend moved from vancouver to montreal and they drove and so mid drive they stopped in winnipeg for like four or five days stayed at my house right on she recorded then then they moved on to montreal um and so the album like it really came about very organically like nothing was forced nothing was you know it, it was just very um you know it was like very genuine you know um, and yeah, so, um, and I didn't even think of doing an album with her. I just thought like, oh, let's write some music together. And after we wrote like maybe two or three songs, I thought, you know what, we should do an album and dedicate it to Cole, Yeah, you know? And so that's what we've done. And so, um, like the title of the album is called acceptance and even the, uh, 
the um the the title track which is also called acceptance i wrote about maybe two or three months after he passed away and my parents were out for a walk with the, with the dog and i was at home playing this i came up with this song and when my parents walked in the house they're listening to it and my dad quickly realized it was my song because he never heard it before and so when i finished playing it he says you know what's funny i couldn't help but think about cole when you were playing that hmm. and i said well funny enough that's who i was thinking about and i called the song acceptance because at that point i was past the grieving stage and had kind of accepted that he was no longer here and so then I sent it out to Cordelia and like all the songs that we wrote together, I just send the song and just like, I just gave it a title or yeah. even a couple, I didn't give a title. I was just like, do what you want with it, you know? And um, yeah. And everything she sent back, it just, again, just blew me away.
The project is really bittersweet because obviously we still wish that Cole was here, but at the same time, if he hadn't passed away, this album would have never come about. Right. Because I would have never connected with Cordelia like the way I have. And I'm really proud to say like, she's a really great friend and um, a collaborator and will be a lifelong friend. You know, that's, that, that's probably the best possible result you can get out of a tragedy like that. Right. Is, is making that connection and then putting out something like this in the little world that has that, that inspiration from your friend who passed and, 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 you know, getting that kind of, um, those feelings onto a record too. Right. I mean, one thing that's interesting, I think you said too, is, I mean, well, first of all, with the title being acceptance and the music itself doesn't necessarily sound to me anyway, like it doesn't sound, um, like it's not a downer, you know what I mean? Like there's definitely a, right. a, a lot of, a lot of upbeat, a lot of positive kind of vibes to it. And I, that's got to, I imagine, be part of what you're talking about, where you, you sort of realize that he's not here, but you're paying tribute to him. And you're, this is sort of your, um, what you're putting out there when you're thinking about him. Yeah. And what's funny too, is, uh, Cordelia has always said like, yeah, Cole wouldn't want like a sappy album dedicated to him. Like he would hate that, you know, right, right. but so we, we put out an album and yes, there is, definitely some emotion on it and some songs that are directly for him. Uh, but at the same time, there's also um, some upbeat songs. And obviously you don't want a song with just like 11 heartbreaker ballads, you know? Um, so yeah. you, you have to kind of, you know, just uh, do what, you know, put a variety of music on there. And, um, and actually, so the, the day that I heard that he passed away, um, during the afternoon, I sat at the piano, and this is the only time I've written a song like this, but I played the song from start to finish in one take. Okay. And it just poured out of me, and literally, my dad said tears were streaming down my face. But I just, I had to get it out. And right after I finished playing it, I thought, well, that's for Cole. So a week later at this funeral, the funeral started by me playing that song that I would written for him the oh, day wow. he passed. And his dad's a singer-songwriter. So, and actually 10 days before he passed away, Cole and I were in the studio for working on his dad's next project. So um, after I played the song and after the funeral, his dad came up to me and he says, I couldn't help but hear words when you're playing your song. Do you mind if I write lyrics to it? And I said, absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, take your time, you know, and, so it took him several months, but eventually he sent back lyrics. And so the last song in the album, which is called Far Too Soon, his dad's singing on it. Cool. And that's the song that, you know, the song I wrote the day he passed. So that song is very much directed to Cole, but um, the rest of the album, yeah, it's, you know, there's some emotion, there's joy, laughter. Like even at the album release a few days ago, uh, some people came up to me and they're like, well, you had me laughing and then crying and then laughing and crying and happy and sad. And, you know, that's kind of what the, the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ha I was happy to hear that because you know, it wasn't just one or the other, you know, it was a mix of emotions and yeah, that was kind of what the night was like. So, 
I know, like you just said, you, you had you had the release show and everything. What is sort of the future of this? I mean, you're not in the same city, the two of you, right? So um, doing this uh, as, a, as an ongoing thing, I mean, of course, you can send music back and forth. <laughs> the pandemic showed us that sort of pretty much everyone right. can do that now, right? But do you foresee yeah. like more, more records as a duo uh, in the future? Like, do you think that that connection you, you've built uh, over the course of this um, has potential for, for more down the road? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, what What's actually really cool is um, since Cordelia's in Vancouver, so she flew in uh, for the album release and stayed at my house. And then uh, the first nine days of July, I'm flying out to Vancouver, staying at her place, and we're doing a few shows out there oh, right on. For, this, for this album. Uh, we're doing like two duo shows in one night. And then we're also doing a full band show with musicians in Vancouver I've never played with before, which is really exciting to like play the music with musicians I don't even know, yeah, <laughs> like how they play or their styles or anything. So um, it's it's you know that's really cool. So nice thing about that is like oh we can like play in more cities than just Winnipeg, right? Like Winnipeg and Vancouver. And then you know like I I don't have um, any like. I don't have any, obviously, any tours lined up or anything like that because I'm just trying to get myself known and get myself out there. And I even I met with someone uh, on on Zoom just talking about my album and what next. And he's he said like, "What are your goals for the album?" I said, "Well, I'd love to go on tour." Yeah. And he said, "Well, that's that's a great idea, but unfortunately, the only like people that know you are in Winnipeg, like." you traveled western canada like you'd probably lose money because just people don't know who you are right so it's like right now we're just trying to spread our music um not just across canada but actually around the world um there's this great website called groover where you basically you um it's a platform for sending music to various spotify playlists around the world and so it costs about I think two or three dollars a playlist to send it to the playlist. Okay. And then they have a they have a week to listen to it and give you feedback. If they don't listen to it, you get your money back. If they do listen to it, they'll either tell you, "Hey, nice song," or "This needs work, but it's not for our playlist." Or, "Hey, we love this. We're going to add it." So it's been literally put on playlists around the world. Um, last week it was put on the playlist in Romania, wow. which is just wild you know um and obviously like i don't have any expectations of all of a sudden getting a phone call from romania hey we want you to play here you know but but it's a it's just a way of getting the music out there and i think that you know with the music we i want it to be you know like when, when i met with larry roy about uh recording and producing this record um you know i said i don't want to just make an album to make an album like I want to make a great album because, you know, this album is going to be out there forever. So I want to do a good job and I want it to be heard by as many people as possible. So of course, yeah. that was, that was kind of the, the goal with that. Oh, 
people hear your music i mean if someone's hearing about you for the first time on the show and they want to look into what you're up to as far as you know potential future shows or where they can hear the record what's the best way to uh, to find you online yeah so obviously you can um you know you can stream my music through any streaming platform like spotify apple music uh also youtube um and then also um probably the best way is through my website um which is www.cdmusic.ca um and through there you can not only you know see where i'm playing and see um uh you know and uh hear the music but also um you could, there's also um like links on the website that share the stories behind every song on the album like yeah i saw that they're very cool you know, yeah yeah like how i created the song and and also cordelia's side of like her lyrics um just because i you know um, I think people enjoy the stories behind the music, you know, like I, I really, I really find it interesting when like, you know, um, like for a story that just came to mind is the, uh, the Bonnie Raitt song, uh, I can't make you love me. Um, I heard a story then I actually met the producer of that record okay. and asked him if it was, and I asked him if it was true. He says, Oh yeah, it's very true. And he's, uh, what the story is, is that, Bonnie Raitt was so emotional in the studio recording that song that she kept crying and they had to do take after take after take because it was just such a personal, even though she didn't write it, it was just so personal to her. Cause it's like, you know, I can't make you love me if you don't yeah, yeah. like that's such a deep message, you know? So it's um, yeah, it's just really, I, I think it's cool hearing the stories. So I thought, well, might as well just put them on my website so people can find out, you know? Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. And yeah. you also you also have physical copies available too, right? I have to ask about that because I'm old and set in my ways, and I haven't uh, ventured into streaming yet. All my all my records are are physical CDs, tapes, vinyl, everything. Yeah, but you have, you have CDs out, right? I definitely do. Yeah. So we, uh, I printed five hundred, and I still have about three hundred fifty left in my basement. So, <laughs> um, if anyone wants, uh, if anyone wants a physical copy of the album, uh, they're ten dollars each. And you can just email me through my website, uh, www.cdmusic.ca. And then you can, uh, yeah, help me out. And because um, also that's kind of, you know, um, I think supporting local artists is really important. And also, um, you know, streaming platforms 
the pay is just so crap. Yeah, it's dismal. It just, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it, it just doesn't, uh, doesn't, like last month, I think I had over 8,000 streams and I made like $7 or something, you know? So it's just like, um, yeah. So I really, you know, appreciate the support, but even if people decide to stream my music, I'm very happy with that as well. Awesome. 